Hello, hello. There we go. Okay. So, 2 Samuel chapter 9. I want to show you what, I want to tell you what he showed me. Probably about two weeks ago, I was having a wonderful time with him. Have you got that, have you got that picture there, Simon? Of that cup? What is wrong with this? It's either my ears have gone funny or this thing's not going round. Is that all right? Okay. 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 Yeah, that's different to the one that I have. Okay, that's good. It's okay. So basically, I was, I was just spending some time with him. And I saw a cup that was just overflowing. And the more that I looked at it, of course, and that, of course, is why there's so many cups here. Goblets or whatever you'd like to call them. I don't know what the right term is. Flagoons. No, that's not right, is it? But, what? Flagons. All right. Um, But what I saw was goblets filled, overwhelmed, overflowing. And I just heard him say to me, it's the cup of my kindnesses. Not only of his kindness, but of his kindnesses. Many kindnesses. And um, the more that I thought about it, the more this idea that you see here came, came to me. Um, and that's what I got. And I thought, well, that's a bit strange. That's just, you know, the cup of his kindness is okay. Thank you, Father. Love that. That's wonderful. But I realized that he wanted to speak to me about it. Um, And then I was walking out of the bedroom. And suddenly he dropped a passage of scripture into my mind. Uh, And it is 2 Samuel chapter 9. And we're going to read some of that scripture. And I don't quite know how we're going to do it. But I want us to kind of be in it, if you know what I mean. That we're not. We're not just reading it, but we're actually going to be in it in some way. Um, But I'm I'm just keeping on my notes a little bit so I don't get too excited and go flying off. But somehow this is a sign of some sort. I don't quite understand. Um, I don't think it's just for us. I think it's for the body of Christ. I even think it's something bigger than that, um, about the goodness of God, about the love of God. It's nice. Um, But it's not just about his kindness and his goodness, but also about his provision and and his abundance. And of course, like Adam said, we we were talking about it before. It's it's a, a poor showing, really. But it's just a symbol. Um, and it's something about the future. And, and, and some of you need to look on it. And when you get worried and you get fearful, uh, because I think that in the future some people are going to get very worried about shortages of food, 
about things that are going on across the world and also in the Western world. And there's something about that. You've got to look at it and you've got to remember it and know that he is your provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. And more than that, he's the more than enough one. He's got everything. He's more than enough. He's your sufficiency. He is your sufficiency. And his table is overflowing. One of the things that I thought as I was driving down actually was this, that some, some of us need to learn the access. So, so when we came in today, I was watching you all. I don't know if you knew that I was watching you. But I was, I was actually watching you because I wondered if some people might come and actually take from the table straight away. But most everybody just looked at it and began to sit down. And while I was driving down, I felt like the Lord said to me, Paul, access is first a gift. Some of you need to write, write this down. Access is first a gift. Then it's a test. And then it's a reward. Listen to me again. It's first a gift. Access is first a gift. Then it's a test. And then it's a reward. I think I've said this previously sometime, but the Lord reminded me about it in the car coming down. And of course, access here, for us, it's here. This is free access. It's free access, isn't it? We're all invited. We're all here. But in this house... There is a protocol. In every house, there's a protocol, actually. So when I come to your house, I follow your protocol. Do you understand what I mean? So you open the door to me, and I come through that door into your house. It's then really important for me to understand that it's your house. It's not my house. It's your house. And in your house, you do things in a certain way. And if I want, if I want continued access... See, we've got... A, my voice is going to get louder and louder. If I, if I want continued access into your house, then actually I, I need to be watchful how I am walking inside your house. Because otherwise, if I start rampaging around your rooms... And doing anything that I want, going anywhere I want, doing anything. Well, the first thing you're going to think is, you're not coming to my house again. So access is, access is first a gift, then it's a test, and then the reward comes. And I think we need to begin to understand that a little bit. If, if you went to the palace... You would do a certain thing in a certain way. You wouldn't do what you wanted. When you come here, it's the king's household. It's not my household. It's not Adam's household or Fay's. It's the king's household. And there's a protocol. First, we have access. It's freely given. And it's a gift. Then we're tested about it. And then a reward comes. 
That was nothing to do with what I'm going to share. But, <laughs> but I think it's really, really important. It's really important because if you want to enter into other people's lives and you want to share in their lives and you want to be a voice of wisdom or you want to speak into their lives, then there needs to be a great deal of grace and of love and of kindness. You don't go stomping in with your boots on. You go in kindly and gracefully. So anyway, the table. I saw a cup brimming over with kindness, with goodness, with light, with joy, with gladness. With everything beautiful, it was, it was like that, just brimming over. And it reminded me of these verses. Esther chapter 1 and verse 5 to 8. It says, And when these days were completed, the king made a feast, lasting seven days for all the people who were present in the citadel, from great to small, in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white and blue linen curtains fastened with cords of fine linen and purple on silver rods and marble pillars, and the couches were of gold and silver and on a mosaic pavement of alabaster, turquoise, and white, and black marble. And they served drinks in golden vessels, each vessel being different from the other, with royal wine in abundance, according to the generosity of the king. In accordance with the law, the drinking was not compulsory. Can I just say that again? In accordance with the law, the drinking was not compulsory. So you weren't compelled to carry on drinking. But if you wanted to drink, you could drink. Because this was the king's palace. This was the king's table. For, for so the king had ordered all the officers of his household that they should do according to each man's pleasure. Beautiful. Well, there's the king's table. It's full for us, full of everything that we should possibly need. But of course, one thing is to look at it, isn't it? One thing's for us to look at and go, that's super beautiful. It's super abundant. The other thing is actually to eat from the table. And that's what we've got to learn to do, actually. Because we've become good observers. We've become good watchers. But we need to eat and drink. And there will be a time. And even now, if you want to come and eat and drink, you can do. Not of the fruit, but just of the bread and the wine, you can do. As, as we're going through this. Um, in Esther 8, it, verse 15 and 16, it says, The Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. The Jews had light and gladness. Well, I, I, I see that we need light. Light and gladness, joy and honor, we need that. It says in Psalm 16 and verse 11, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Beautiful. And then there's this, there was this little verse that came to me. And it was from Romans, Romans 15 and verse 29. And it says this, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. This is in the Mirror Bible. This is what it says. I know that my coming to you will be like a cargo ship filled to the brim with the blessings of everything that the gospel of Christ communicates. 
I mean, don't you think that's fascinating? This, so so it, when you read it in a normal Bible, it says, I know that when I do come to you, I will come in the abundant blessings of Christ. But when you read it in a different way, it says, I hope that you're going to know when I come, I'm going to be brimming over. This cargo ship is going to be brimming over with good things. So this morning, are you brimming over with good things? Are you brimming over with good things? Because you carry Christ inside you. You carry God inside you. And this says you're going to be like a cargo ship brimming over with good things. And even when we're going through difficult things and sad things and hard things, and yet the love of Christ is inside us. God's love is inside us. And that is to be brimming over. But you've got to allow it. You have got to allow it. I've got to allow it. We've got to allow it. We've got to give him permission. You've got to let yourself out or let him out of you. Huh? No, really. Every day, the fullness is meant to be pouring forth out of us. This is what it says anyway. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, we get in there, okay? The cup of his kindnesses. First one says this. David said, is there anyone here who is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? So David, can I... So, so what has happened? What has happened is that you all know the story of David and Jonathan. Jonathan, Jonathan was, the, was the son of King Saul. And Jonathan and David had made a pact, they'd made an agreement together to love one another all the days of their life. In the meantime, however, King Saul was pursuing David because David, it says, he had, a, he had a heart after God. He loved God with all his heart. He, he was, if you want, he was pursuing God constantly. There was something in his heart, something about his life that was relentlessly pursuing God. And of course, Saul was the king of Israel. But Saul made some choices during his reign that actually caused some problems, not only for himself, but for the whole of Israel. And of course, there were battles that went on and all sorts of things, and people started singing about the victories of David instead of the victories of Saul. And King Saul got very jealous. He got very upset about it. So he began to pursue David relentlessly instead of pursuing god relentlessly he started pursuing david and it says that he took up a, a a spear and began to throw spears at david and then he started pursuing him outside he became david became an enemy to saul but saul saul's heart was so filled with love that he could never do anything to offend the king he would never do anything to dishonor the king or disrespect the king. But all the time, David was pursued. He had to hide in caves. He had to uh, hide and, and, and look after himself so that he didn't get killed. And this went on for years and years. So King Saul 
became more and more enraged and more and more upset with David. But Jonathan, the son of King Saul, had made an agreement. Now listen to this. This is, this is profound. Many, many years before, before Jonathan was ever born, before Jonathan was ever conceived, David and Jonathan, uh, before, before, jo- before Jonathan's son, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Before Jonathan's son was ever born, because there was King Saul, who was the father of Jonathan. Then there was Jonathan, and he was the father of a young man called Methabosheth. Okay, we're going to call him Little M. <laughs> little M, okay? So Jonathan was the father of Little M. Before Little M was ever born, Jonathan and David made an agreement together, a covenant together. And they said, whatever happens, we will love one another and stand with one another throughout all these years. And we will take care of one another and be kind to one another. And they made a covenant to that very effect. That was long before little M was ever born. Okay, remember that. Because this is David now, and, and it's just after King Saul has been slain on the battleground. So the king of Israel is dead. And also Jonathan, his son, along with his other sons, and in fact the whole family of King Saul, apart from one, are left. And the one that's left is little M. Little M is the only person remaining in the family. Everyone else has been slain in battle. And David, he says, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? So, so when I thought about the cup of God's kindnesses, I, I read this verse because this is what he took me to. And I began to think, okay, so, so King David has got kindness in his heart. Kindness is flowing from his heart. And he's thinking about Jonathan, his best friend in the whole world. And he's thinking, for Jonathan's sake, I want to be kind. And, and it goes on in verse 2, it says, And there was a servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Zeba. So when they had called him to David, the king said, Are you Zebra? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Okay, so here we've got the picture. The kindness of God is flowing in the heart of David. And David wants to show kindness to the household of Saul. But hang on a minute, Saul has been relentlessly pursuing him all these years. Saul is the one that's made him hide in caves, uh, fear for his life, wonder what the future was holding. Many, many years this was going on. And now Saul is dead. 
And probably Zeba, even the servant of Saul, is frightened for his life because he's wondering what's going to happen. David is now going to be the king. He is the king. What is going to happen to anyone else that was even familiar to the house of Saul? But Zeba comes along and he said, yes, there still is someone. He said, the king said, is there still not someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Zeba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Zeba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Mashiach, the son of Amimel, in Lodabar. This is an incredible story. Because now... The king is dead. Jonathan is dead. Everyone of the family of little M have died. And little M is now hiding. He's fearful for his own life. And do you know, you, you, this Lord Abar, this, this place that he's hiding, do you know what it stands for? It means this, the place of no pasture. The place of no pasture. And I was thinking about this and thinking, you know what? There's lots of people who don't have a place to be. They have no safe place. They have no protective place. They feel like they're on the run. I know there's people in this room this morning that feel like they're on the run. And they've been on the run a long, long time. And they're hiding in a place that is like a desert. It's like a desert. It's a place of no pasture. There's no food there. There's no sustenance there. There's no life there. And maybe like one of the sons, you know, the two sons, the two prodigal sons, the two that were both angry and upset at dad, the one of them went out and just had his pleasures and did whatever he wanted. But actually he was living in a similar place. He was living in a place where there was no food. There was no pasture. There was no security. He was of no significance. He was hiding. He was scared. And you can imagine him just cowering for his life. I can actually imagine him just cowering for his life. But this is the beautiful thing that God reaches out to us. In fact, he doesn't just reach out to us. He's, all, he's already reached into us. He's already in us. He doesn't have to come and find you because you have, you have your breath and your life and your being and your movement in him. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody in this room has their life and breath in God. Every single person. All of you. It's only that you have to recognize it. He's not outside of you. Well, of course, he is outside you as well. Yeah, he's in, every, he's in everything, everywhere. But he's in you. You cannot live. You cannot breathe. You cannot breathe without him. You understand me? He is the breath that you are breathing presently, even though you may not recognize it. He is your breath. So there's lots of people that have run away and they've run to this place of no pasture, no significance, no security, no place of self-esteem, no, no safe place, no protective place. 
and the, the worried, the, the afraid. And Father, just right now, Lord, we just, I, I just want to pray for all those people, Father, in this house, Lord. Right now, Lord, we just, I just want to thank you for your spirit, Father, reaching out right now, Lord. Into every heart, Father. Every spirit, Father. Lord, you were already here. You were already in everybody's house. You were here, Lord. And right now, Father, I just ask that you would make your presence known, Jesus. Lord, like, like the prodigal. Lord, you, you were, as it were, running. Running out of the gate. Opening the gate and flinging your arms wide open, Lord. And kissing each and every one, Father. Each and every one, Father, is kissed and loved and valuable and beautiful, Father. And Lord, we pray for our families, Father, right now. We ask, Lord, that this kindness that is in our own hearts, Lord, right now, Father, this kindness that you have put in our hearts, Father. Just like David, Lord, he had kindness in his heart, Father. And that kindness, Lord, we recognize as the kindnesses of your heart, Father. And Lord, we want to release that kindness, Lord, into our families, Lord into our friends, Father, into all the situations that we find ourselves in, Lord. We're asking that your kindness, Lord, would overtake us. Your love, Lord, would overtake us, Lord. Your life would flow through us, Father, in beautiful new ways, Father, like rivers and streams of living water, Father, flowing in and through us more and more, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you that even now, Lord, you're releasing people in this room, Father. I want to thank you, Father, that you are touching hearts even now, Father, in this room, Lord. And I want to thank you, Lord, that those who have been running, Father, they need run no longer, Father, because you are inside each one, each one right now, Father. You, Lord, are inside of us. And, Father, we thank you for that revelation of Jesus, that beautiful revelation, Father. Thank you for the cup of your kindnesses, Jesus. The cup of your kindnesses, Lord. We thank you so much. It says this. It says that there was a son of Jonathan, little M, who was lame in his feet. In other words, he was not walking. He was not able to walk. He was struggling to walk. He was struggling to live. He was struggling to move. It had crippled him. What had gone on in his life, do you realize actually that what it says about this little fella is that one time his nurse was carrying him and it says that his nurse tripped and as she tripped, she lost little M out of her hands and he fell onto the floor. He fell and he was crippled in both legs. That's how it happened. The Bible says it. Um, so he was crippled in both legs because of a fall. And I want to I wanna say this. Jesus, Lord, help us. We've met so much of the fall, haven't we? We've met so much of the fall, but I was thinking about this. Just think, if one day I woke up, I woke up and I felt wonderful, beautiful. Everything felt wonderful. Everything is wonderful. Just think if I woke up like that in the morning and I thought, oh, it looks beautiful. The sun's out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk on the mountains. It's, it's a beautiful day. The sky is blue. It's wonderful. And as I walked, I stumbled and fell. Or I took the wrong way. Okay. I'm hurting. 
Alright, I'm hurting. Something is hurting. Something's wrong. Alright. But listen, fundamentally, it didn't change the person who I really am. Listen again, it didn't change the person who I really am. Because before the fall, it says that you were created in the very image of God. That fall did not stop that creation. It just didn't. Do you understand me? We just made a lot of it. It's like classic theology is like we've made everything of the fall and little of what Jesus has actually done. Because before you ever got here, Jesus did what he'd already done. And I'm not talking about 2,000 years ago. I'm talking this was done before the foundation of the world. Do you understand me? This is what happened. I want to tell you what happened. The Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're together. One day, together, when everything was beautiful, when he created the whole world before you ever got here, before you ever got here, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were together, as they always are. And they were enjoying the togetherness, as they always do. They were loving being together, flowing together, being happy together. Everything was beautiful. They were singing the song together. And then they went, let's, let's make man in our image. And they all went, yes, that's a fantastic act. We want kids. We want kids, so we're going we're gonna to create this beautiful place. And they'd already created it, and they were looking at it. All the universe as well, they'd created it all. And then they went, but the, the issue is that surely if we, if we create children, well, they might get it wrong. But we want them to choose to love us. We're going to give them everything that they possibly need in order to choose to love us. But the foresight and the foreknowledge of God knew that we might fall on the road. They already knew that. They knew that we were going to wake up that morning, that beautiful morning, and sing a song and go, we're going to walk in the mountains and it's going to be beautiful. And then we were going to take a wrong turn. They knew we were going to take a wrong turn or get something wrong or do something wrong because we're human. But we're still made in the image of God. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit knew this before we ever got here. And the Father looked at the Son and said, well, knowing this Son, what are we going to do? And the son said, I know, Dad, we're going to make a covenant together. Me and you and the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give my life completely, totally and utterly for all the children that you are going to bring to birth on the earth. Every single one of them. And I am going to predestine that they all, every single one, not one of them shall perish. I want them to know that they are loved by me. And we are going to pour out the wine of your life, Jesus, and we are going to make a covenant together, and we're going to drink it together. Because this is my covenant. This is my blood. This is my body given for you. Before ever, before the world was, before the foundation of the world was ever given, You were loved. It was all done 
before you ever got here. Do you understand me? Little M, little M, before he was ever born, there was a covenant that was made between Jonathan and David. Little M knew nothing about the covenant. But do you understand what happened in this passage? The kindness of God in the heart of David began to flow. And the kindness of God flowed out. And he said, is there anyone? Is there anyone of the house that has been persecuting me? That's been trying to kill me? That's been relentlessly pursuing me? Is there anyone? Anyone that's left? Because my goodness and my kindness knows no limits and no ends. It knows no bounds. It is flowing out all the time to every single person everywhere. Because I don't want anyone to perish and I don't want to lose anyone. And I've done it all before. Before you ever got here, little M. Jonathan and David made a covenant together. That was not only going to save you. Wasn't only going to save you. But listen, so powerful. It's so, so powerful. I want to tell you something, you need to come and drink. You need to come and drink. You understand me? You feel like you want to, you need to. You need to, it's all right, I'll carry on. Let me read these verses to you. Thank you, Lord. Keep a little ear open, okay? And can I just say that this is given for everybody. 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 He says, Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Mishar the son of Amiel from Lodabar. He brought him out of the place of no pasture. Now when little M, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, little M. And he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear. Do not fear. Because he was so fearful. Little M was fearful. He was fearing for his life. But he said, don't fear. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. What did he just say? And it just profound? It's absolutely profound. Let me just repeat it to you. So first of all, first of all, he addressed him by name, Methabosheth. Just as he addresses you by name, he addresses you, listen to me. He knows you, he addresses you by your name. He loves you. He is here for you. He loves you. He addresses you by name. And then he says this. He says, fear not. 
Fear not. Have you heard that song? It goes something like this. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. He's called you by name. You, by your name. And then he says, here is the cup of God's kindness. This is the cup of God's kindness. And this is for Father's sake. That's what he says to little Lem. He said, this is for Father's sake. This is for your Father's sake. All of it. He's done it all. Because he wanted it. It's for his sake. He made a covenant before you ever got here. It's for his sake. Eat and drink. And then he says, I'm going to restore everything. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is profound. He says, I'm going to restore everything of King Saul's to you. What did he say? Hang on. What did he say? He said, I'm going to restore everything of King Saul. No, no. Hang on. King Saul? You mean the king? What, you mean everything that the king had, you were going to restore it to little M? Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. That's what God means. Everything that belongs to the king, everything that belongs to your father is going to be restored to you. Everything. All of it. All of it. It's all coming. It's all going to come. This is no fairy tale. This isn't Walt Disney. This is Father God in heaven. It's all coming your way. All of it. Isn't it beautiful? There you go. And some people are eating it, you see. I can see that some people eat it as they listen. They just don't, they just don't listen as, as if it's a word. They eat it as they're listening. You have to eat it. You have to eat it like you're eating and drinking from the table. You have to eat it. It's yours. It's yours. You were called by name. You're redeemed. It's beautiful. And then he says... He says to little Emmy, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you pro- continual provision. Continual provision. It's not going to stop. And he said, even though, this is what really is mind-blowing about this. He says, even though I'm going to give you all of this, and I'm going to send Zeba. You remember Zeba? That, that was a servant. Zeba was a servant, and his family had served the king for generations. His family were all servants to the king's household. And Zeba himself had been called by David. And I I think he was probably going, what's going to happen to me? But King David went, he said, Zeba, you are going to restore everything. You're going to go out and you're going to look after the harvest for little M. Continually. You and your family are going to look after everything for little M. But guess what's going to happen to little M? He's not going to be in his own place. Because he's going to be at my table the rest of his life. He's going to sit at my table as one of the king's sons. Shall I just read it to you? It's beautiful. And the king called Aziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son 
all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, Ziba, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But little M, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded to his servant, so will your servant do. As for little M, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Like one of the king's sons. You see, every week when we come together as a family, it's not, it's, not, it's not to have a meeting. If you want a meeting, you can go to the council house. <laughs> not really, it's just over there, you can. If you want to go to the club, go to the cricket club. If you want to go to the pub, go to the pub, it's fine. But when we come here, it's the king's household. And now we're learning to eat all over again. We're learning to eat all over again. You have to learn to eat. Not only listen, not only watch, but eat and drink. For it's your household. It's the king's household. It's yours. And these, these cards, there's a card to everybody. We think we've got cards to everybody. There's a card to everybody. I think the little ones, the ones between below six though, they haven't got a card, have they? That's not because we didn't want to give them a card. It's because they probably don't understand the words in the card. But you can read your card to them, okay? So please don't be upset if they didn't get a card. Most everybody got a card, okay? And basically, I've paraphrased those verses in this card for you. Because you need to remind yourself, as I do, because I'm telling you, I don't think, this is true, I don't think I've ever seen as much power and anointing and life as God as I've pre presently seen. Honestly. But nonetheless, and I was talking to Adam about this this morning, it seems like whatever we've got is not sufficient. It just isn't. I don't understand it. It's a strange thing. But of course he's drawing us into a closer relationship with himself. A face-to-face -face relationship. A loving relationship. Not a church. We've been saying it for years. This is not church as normal. How long have I been saying that? For years and years. But of course, if, 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 if we're going to be this life... To the people around us, we've got to receive this life. You've got to receive it. It's, it's not scriptures, do you understand me? It doesn't matter if you load yourself up with scriptures. The scriptures have got to become life to you. The Holy Spirit has got to flow out of you. And he's in you. You've just got to understand it. And it's a bit like as we, as we eat and we drink, we just take it comes into us. It comes into us. You understand me? We're eating it. Some people call this transubstantiation. 
where, where, where it actually becomes his life and his body. And that's a little bit like the disciples breaking bread with Jesus. And they ate and he was gone. He vanished from the sight. That's because he filled them on the inside with Holy Spirit. Huh? In that moment, he filled them on the inside. So, I just, I just want to read this little verse. Can the guys come up and just, let's do this song. Because I was thinking about little M. I was thinking about little M. I, I mean, I can, I can see myself in nearly every character in this story. Do you get what I mean? It's not like, I, I'm nearly every character in this story. In fact, when I go swimming at the gym, I've been every character in this story. Like playing it again and again. And I was thinking about little, little M, and I put this here. He was hiding away, frightened. He had nothing of his own, no place to go, no one to rescue him, no inheritance, nothing to commend himself to the king. He didn't feel like he was deserving, but of course that was his feeling, not the king's feeling. That was his feeling. You've got to understand the difference between your feelings and the feelings of the king. The feeling, the, the feeling of the king is that he loves you. He's never, ever stopped loving you. But he was a lame, dying man who lost all his family. And his eyes and ears were traumatized, tired and weary unto death. In fear of his own life. But I just want to read this verse. And then I want them to play this. It's from Titus chapter, chapter 3 and verse 3 to 6. It says this. But then, oh happy day. It was the generosity of God. And his great kindnesses for mankind. That dawned on us like a shaft of light. Our days of darkness were over. And light shone everywhere. And we became aware. God rescued the human race. Salvation is not a reward for good behavior. It has absolutely nothing to do with anything that we have done. God's mercy saved us. The Holy Spirit endorses in us what happened to us when Jesus Christ died and was raised. And when we heard the glad announcement of salvation, it was like taking a deep, warm bath. Our minds were thoroughly cleansed and rebooted into newness of life. Holy Spirit is the extravagant administer of the salvation of Jesus Christ, gushing forth within us like an artisan well. Isn't that beautiful? That's from the Mirror Bible. It's beautiful. And Father, right now, Lord, just before we sing, oh, happy days. Oh, happy days. Lord, for anyone here that is on this journey, Father, of coming to know you, we just agree right now, in Jesus' name, that you already know them. Already knows you, my friend. He's already got you. 
already. And Father, that it's nothing more than saying yes. And we say yes, Lord. Come on, let's all of us say yes. Huh? Yes, you say yes. Yes to your table, Lord. Yes to your goodness. Yes to your kindness. For our kids' sakes as well, Lord. Yes, we say yes, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Now, if you've not already come, if you want to share with others, share with others. Um, sorry, I don't know what I want to say. But just before we sing, when, um, when David says to um, little Emmy, he says, oh, I'm going to show you the kindness and restore it all. This is, this is little Em's response. What is your servant that you should know it's a dead dog like me? And I just felt like there were maybe a few people who that were your response. The incredible thing is that in one sense it doesn't really matter what you think about you. What matters is what he thinks about you. Little M was lame. He was the son of the king who tried to kill David. He had nothing going for him. He was classed as unclean in terms of a religious life because he was lame. He had nothing going for him. But he was welcomed at the table. He's got absolutely nothing to do with what you have got going for you and everything to do with the father that's got going on for you. So you can eat. You can feast, just like Lil M did every day of his life.